that's not like a normal practice. I don't normally walk around the city with like open liquor in my, well, no, I'm just kidding. I don't. Welcome to the Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that focuses on a topic from around the whiskey world, and we tend to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock, the author of The Whiskey Cabinet, and my co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. This week's whiskey topic is crossing over from that type of whiskey you're comfortable with into other types of whiskey. Your gadgets are pretty out of control. <laughs> you're living like the Jetsons over there. I'm trying. With your video calling and your... Talking on my watch and... I'm talking on your watch and your magic scale and your robot vacuums. Like, what's going on? I, th- I think I think <laughs> I watched Jetsons too much as a kid. It's, it's the problem. It's like, you why can't I just get on a it. hoverboard and just fly out of my like bedroom window and just like, do-do-do-do-do, fly to somebody, somewhere else, to a bar? The first person that I know that will have something that like resembles a hoverboard will be you. A hundred percent. Yeah, I might be pretty old yeah. by that point. I'll probably be like seven years old on a hoverboard. Well, you know, you, they'll, they'll probably have big ones that you can just lie down on and they just <laughs> float you down wherever. Yeah. So Jamie, cut all that in. That's so silly. <laughs> <laughs> so Jamie, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking actually Jack Daniel's single barrel today. Whoa! Whoa! Very nice. Whoa. So Tennessee whiskey. We've We've yet to really talk about Tennessee whiskey. Yeah, we haven't really talked about Tennessee whiskey, considering gets people all riled up. I rant, I rant, I, I rant constantly about Tennessee whiskey. So, uh, what do you think of this? Because we we've had it. We we actually had this uh, last week. Yes. Uh, yes, it was the bottle that we ended up smuggling into a bar by accident. It happens. It, w- it happens. Sometimes when you work in booze, you just have bottles on you, and you know it's just how it goes. Um, but yeah, it's funny because. From our tasting that we did last week, when I got it, last week, two weeks ago, whatever, it doesn't matter, um, I learned that I, I should pour it first and leave it a little bit mm-hmm. um, because I actually, of the Jack Daniels sort of profile, um, this is my favorite. It's um, the most sort of bourbon-like of all of the the sort of Jack Daniels different sort of line extensions or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm actually a fan of this. I find that it mellows um, a little bit when it gets into the glass. I find that when we had it and we just sort of went for it and we drank it, we were like, I was like, oh dear, like what? How come I liked this so much last time and I'm not loving it right now? Um, so today I poured it and I've left it a little bit and yeah, it's got, it's got that, a little bit of that sort of Jack Daniels on the nose, like a little bit of that sweet banana, but it's so faint. It's not like old number seven. Old number mm-hmm. seven is like punch you in the face with a banana, which is probably kind of rude. That's kind of a rude comment. Yeah. But yeah, I, I find it to be a lot um, sort of like got a little bit more of the spice that I like in it, a little oakier, a little less sweet um, than the old number seven. So this Jack Daniels single barrel is taken from the top two 
um, rows of the rickhouse. So it has the most sort of temperature fluctuation. It sort of ages a little quicker. Um, each bottle is marked with its respective um, like barrel and rick number and all that stuff. So slight differences in each one, which also could actually explain the difference between, you know, the bottle that I had originally months ago and the one that I got here. But still, I'm a, I'm a fan. I like this one. You, you said it all when you said, I like this. It tastes a little bit more like a bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Which is all you really need to say. I mean, I... <laughs> Uh, ah, yeah. Tennessee whiskey. Yeah, don't get me started. Uh, no, I think I think Tennessee whiskey. You know, like I do want to get you started. Uh, I do want to hear your rant again. Oh, I don't. <laughs> well, because I like George Dickel. So you know, I, I, to be fair, I, I like Dickel a, a lot. I think it's you know, I think as, as a sipper, even just the the you know, bottom barrel uh, cheap, cheap stuff, the number twelve or what it's called, um, is like an, it's a decent sipper. Like it's it's not too bad. I can I can sip that. Um, but this whole charcoal melding filtering process just really we go back to that like gives you a smooth whiskey, but not necessarily whiskey with a lot of character. And I think it does seem to cut out a lot of the uh, oaky spiciness that I like in whiskey. And so what we're left with is kind of this kind of little bit of sweetness on the front of like a kind of like a regular Jack Daniels and kind of an empty watery middle. So we're not even talking about like a weeded whiskey. You know, we said weeded whiskey is the middle. Uh, tends to be lighter on flavor, but it's not like empty. It still has flavor. There's still texture. Uh, you know, Jack Daniels regular doesn't have a lot of texture in that middle, and it just kind of dies off, and that's it. And as much as you know, Jack Daniels is one of those drinks I used to shoot as uh, in my university years. Um, it's not a drink that I have very good associations with, but when when I do sip it now, I just find it watery. I, I just find like this tastes like water. Now, this is an opinion of somebody that likes a lot of high proof whiskeys. I'm sure if you don't drink a lot of high proof whiskeys, it's not going to taste like water. Um, but uh, the single barrel was interesting because uh, Jamie and I drank it, and we we had like you know we talked about uh, how when you first open the bottle, the whiskey's a little a little tight, not as very not very expressive. Um, and it took a couple of pours for that whiskey to really open up. It took it to like sit in that glass for a little while. Just took a few extra pours. Yeah, just a couple <laughs> of extra pours. This is why we ended up at a club with uh, hiding an open bottle in our backpacks. Um, just a few extra pours. Um, and, and, but it did start tasting better. It started having that more bourbon-like character. It was a little broader and, and everything else. So it still, it still went through the charcoal filtration. And I think it's only, what, 45% alcohol? Is that what it was? Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, 47. Okay, 47. So it's got a little bit more bite to it. Um, mm -hmm. I, 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 it tasted maybe for me, from, from going by memory, it tasted like it was a little higher in alcohol content. But, um, yeah, overall a nice drink. I don't know. What's the price point on it? Oh, it's fifty. Yeah, forty nine. Okay, you know, if I, so for fifty bucks, that that's great. I I think that's a, it's a you know, that's a good price yeah. point. I think so too. Um, if you're not a Jack Daniels fan, well, I mean, actually, this really goes with sort of what we're talking about today, which is crossing over and like expanding whiskey boundaries. And like, what if you sort of are a bourbon drinker like me? What might you like in? you know, different sort of genres of whiskey. But first, I want to know what you're drinking. Um, yeah, so I am drinking um, the Crown Royal. So we're both, uh, it's funny, we we never really plan this, and somehow we pick very similar drinks. And you might say, what, Crown Royal? How's that similar to Jack Daniels? Um, but it's the uh, hand-selected single barrel uh, 
51.5% bottled at. Um, and uh, this is the one that's been hand-selected by Davin. So uh, Davin, the oh. author of uh, Canadian Whiskey, um, that was on our show four or five episodes ago. Um, he, it, uh, The story goes that he was out there with uh, Dave Bloom, which we've mentioned on the show as well, wrote an excellent uh, whiskey book, The World uh, Whiskey Atlas. And they were out there and tasting a lot of whiskeys, and they tasted this uh, coffee still uh, barrels, uh, you know, samples out of a barrel. And Crown Royal, and they would basically go to Crown Royal like, this, this stuff is really good. You should bottle this stuff. And Crown Royal uh, eventually listened. A few years later, they released uh, a single barrel uh, in, like, I think it was mostly for sale in Texas, and it sold out immediately. And the way, this is very similar, kind of like the Four Roses single barrel releases where they work with, a distributor like uh, that buys a barrel, so they buy the whole barrel and they bottle it for that distributor. So every single barrel is a little bit different, um, but because the idea went so well, uh, and this the, the juice in here is interesting because the the whiskey in here is essentially what gives Crown Royal uh, a lot of the flavor. And we talked about Canadian whiskey, how a lot of it is highly distilled and is, doesn't really have a lot of flavor from the grain. And then they use very like rye heavy grains. Uh, a very, very rye heavy mash to um, to amp up the flavor on Canadian whiskey. Um, so this Crown Royal uh, hand select barrel, hand selected barrel, is that flavor profile. So it's a very, it's not 100% rye, but it's a very, very strong rye. It's got a lot of rye notes. Um, so this is the one that Davin selected. So they invited Davin back, and he did like 50 barrel samplings. Uh, or give or take, and he selected this one, and, and Davin was nice enough to send me a bottle. Um, so really, really happy with this. It's uh, lucky you. I can't wait to come over and drink it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's we're drinking the similar kind of style drink where this is like Crown Royal on on steroids. It's just uh, such a the volume has been amped up. So much flavor. Uh, it doesn't give you a lot of like range of like different flavors, but it just it's. Um, uh, I think the common description of it is like butterscotch. It's just got butterscotch sweetness, but it is a rye. So that kind of floral Canadian rye, all those flavors come through. Um, and this kind of gives us a little bit of follow-up because um, Davin called this a barrel-proof uh, whiskey. And I, you know, but it's bottled at 51, 51.5%. And I asked Davin, I'm like, well, you say barrel-proof, but it's not really like cast. It's not like we talked about cast strength or what have you, but it's not like it's been cut down with water, right? And this is the same idea. So it's barrel proof. It's at a higher proof point. Um, but this isn't what it came out of the barrel. It came out of the barrel at about 58%. And then they watered it down to 51.5%. Because um, like we said on uh, previous shows, it's really expensive for um, companies to create new labels and get them approved and go through that process. So they just kind of want everything watered down at the same level. So it's nice and easy for them to uh, to produce bottles. And of course... Watering it down from 58% to 51.5 means they can bottle a few more. So everybody wins, mostly the distillery. But um, yeah. Davin's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's very cool. That's very that's cool. That's very cool he got to do that. That's really neat. That That is not an opportunity that comes up here very often. In the States, you can sort of – there's lots of barrel selection programs going on at liquor stores and all sorts of stuff like that. But we don't – there's such a like stranglehold on that sort of thing here so we don't really get that that sort of experience so it's really great it's very cool that he got to do that yeah it is it is uh canada's first of recent time single barrel uh whiskey kind of barrel strength quote unquote 
uh, first released in the U.S. Um, and I think this even went through the U.S. I think it uh, had to come up from the U.S. before it got shipped to Canada. So it's all uh, it's all for that American market to compete with Four Roses Single Barrel and, and all the other single barrels that are being produced specifically for resellers. Amazing. Nice stuff. Cool. Very awesome. happy with it. Like I said, can't wait to come over and drink it. <laughs> We're really looking forward Which to will it. be in a couple of days, so there you go. I was going to say, see you. I'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, we, our, our topic today is um, we get this question asked a lot. We're like, oh, you know, I'm a bourbon drinker. What, what do you recommend? I'm a scotch drinker. What do you recommend? And um, I really like encouraging people to expand their palates and drink more than what they're comfortable with. And I think, you know, whiskey's a very expensive um, – it's a very expensive hobby to get into because, you know, if you're buying your bourbon for, you know, $30 or $40 and you want to buy a single malt scotch, now you're maybe – now you're upping the price point um, or you're you're just not as sure about what to buy and so you maybe buy the wrong scotch or maybe you bought the wrong bourbon if you're a scotch drinker. Now forever that, that genre is tainted. Um, and I think it's fair because I think different drinkers – look for different things. So Jamie and I, I know, have a very similar palate and our instincts are very similar. We take a drink, we, 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 uh, we nose it, we drink, you know, we t- taste it and we, we generally, our palates are just so well in line. But there are these like subtle differences that we very much uh, have that like makes Jamie prefer a certain type of whiskey over what I prefer. And I would say it's like inches, it's not feet or meters, right, Jamie? I mean, yeah, 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 for sure. Like it's it's very um, and I think that's why I like drinking with Jamie a lot because I mean your instincts are just boom solid. You're like you take you drink something and you can really nail it as to whether this is a, you know whether you like this whiskey or not, and uh, and that's that's important. Like that that's that's super important. And it's important to drink with people that have your palate and have something similar to your palate. And also important to drink with people that have a completely different palate than you as well. It's also important to drink with people that have a lot of fun. most importantly (laughs) yes yes yeah no I agree I mean you know there isn't a lot to go I I'm such a newbie still when it comes to this sort of stuff that I I don't really have anything other than my gut to go on so I just have to sort of have it it's nerve-wracking to be like yes this is good I like this this is what I'm enjoying it's sometimes because it can be so intimidating, especially around people who are like seasoned whiskey drinkers, to have the confidence to say it. But the, honestly, if if you if you're drinking with somebody that you get along with, that's cool. That like you know, it's it honestly would be intimidating to drink with you, Mark, because you've been doing this for so long. But I just you're so nice that even if it even if you thought I was like crazy and I said the totally like wrong thing I think you would still like be like yeah that's like totally right bananas foster and Jack Daniels meanwhile you're like no it's totally burnt marshmallow but <laughs> well tasting think- notes are tasting notes I, I could never yeah. really yeah no yeah. you can't really compare but I definitely think that um you know sort of echo your point finding somebody that you can sort of just be honest with and just say what you're thinking is is really good so don't drink with any assholes if you can avoid it yeah don't. yeah no you're right because you've mentioned <laughs> this would happen to you you're like you're you're doing you know you're at an event and somebody's like oh delwini it is so good how can you drink anything but delwini 15 no snore really great whiskey but uh you can't really like i, I don't know if you're drinking one whiskey that's fine um 
but you're probably not listening to this podcast or reading my book or going to Jamie's Whiskey Tastings if you're just drinking one whiskey. Um, and that means you're just not exploring other whiskeys. I love a lot of different types of whiskeys, and I enjoy them at different times. Um, what I think is interesting is, is going to somebody that drinks bourbon and be like, hey, what do you think about this scotch? What do you think about that scotch? Um, versus being like somebody saying, like, I only like the Albany 15. Like, okay, well, that's great. You found your perfect right. whiskey. That's awesome. Great. Good for you. Where do we go from here? Yeah. I mean, I, that's boring. It is I mean, but boring. that's – but, and you know what the thing – I guess I shouldn't say that because some people just have their thing and they – that's what they like and that's just what they do and, like, it's fine. But like you were saying, you're not listening to this podcast because you're like, I've found my Dow 15 and that's it for me. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, you know, I've made this comparison before, but that's the way I'm with beer, right? I'm like, I like Mill Street Tanker House Ale. Uh, I'm not impressing any any beer drinker uh, by drinking that. I'm basically drinking the, uh, you know, the Coors Light or uh, Labatt's Blue of craft beer is what it really is. It's like this is like the craft beer that's available everywhere in our city. Um, and so I'm not impressing anybody with it, but it's good enough for me because I'm not going to get all the other flavor profiles that like, you know, beer, like uh, frequent beer drinkers are getting from more advanced craft beers, which I also enjoy. But it's not like a big deal for me if I'm, oh, all the guys, uh, Mill Street, uh, Tanker House, doom, done, I'm happy, not a problem. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, beer drinkers are going to be like, oh, that's all they have. Like, and then they have like the Coors Light and whatever, like, and they're so depressed. Which I get, because this is the way I get when I go to whiskey bars. I'm like, oh, you just have the five whiskeys. Great. Great. Pour me some Johnny Walker, please. Yeah, exactly. So I think, so, I mean, this isn't like, I guess it's not a judgment call on, on people that, like, it's not a judgment call if you do drink just one type of whiskey. It's more just if you are more interested in whiskey and are more interested in getting different flavors, uh, please do. I think it's a, you know, it's a really, whiskey is such a, uh, the flavor profiles are so intense, and once you drink enough whiskey, your palate really starts opening up to like the different flavors beyond what you have. And drinking very similar whiskeys is really good because you get a really um, – your palate starts to develop and gets uh, differences between one type of whiskey and another type of whiskey. You start, feel, hearing, uh, start feeling and tasting those differences. Uh, but then, you know, might be time to move on to other types of whiskeys. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely, I mean, we, Mark and I sort of, well, Mark had been extended the invitation to chat with uh, Hamish Tory from Ardbeg. And he let me tag along, as he always does, which is super nice. And so we went and we talked with him. And um, I actually said, with this sort of in mind, because Ardbeg is a peaty, like insanely peated whiskey, I asked Hamish, like, What's your what what is what's your advice for people that maybe want to start getting into peated whiskeys? And he's like, well, just jump in. <laughs> so I guess that, and I mean, obviously, it was like the best answer um, because I think that's just the only way you can do it. Just go for it. And I think that what we can we can try to do today is maybe give you like a hint, like a push in the right direction, or like maybe. We'll say something that will inspire you to go out and, like, find a new bottle. But essentially, there's nothing wrong with, you know, diving right in um, and just going for it at the bar one night. 
Yeah. So let's let's jump right in. Um, yeah. Uh, Jamie, did you want to start talk? Because uh, you're you're a bourbon drinker. What's uh, what are the whiskey? What are like if you're if you're approached by a single malt Scotch drinker that comes up to you and it's like, oh bourbon, I don't oh. know, I don't know, I'm a Scotch Whoa. drinker. Uh, I roll my eyes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, everybody. <laughs> don't be mad at me. Um, I mean, it's funny because I get that a lot. Um, at at Scotch tastings, uh, and I rarely get it the opposite way, which is when I have like a bourbon tasting, a bourbon drinker show up. I I don't hear them like say ugh single malt Scotch. Often I'll sort of they'll be like I'm looking to get more into single malts or like I'm open to the idea. So, anyways, that's not a judgment call on single malt drinkers. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> I, <laughs> I might be insinuating that. Scotch drinkers are a little snobbier, but that's not what I'm saying. Well, I, I think I think Scotch drinkers have. I think I think th- <laughs> you can say that. I can't. No, no. I think I think Scotch drinkers have like a, a long history of appreciating Scotch, right? So you've got like Scotch drinkers maybe have been drinking Scotch for 15 years, and like bourbon drinkers outside of right. like Kentucky and certain areas are, are are generally fresher and newer into the like drinking. Uh, high higher quality whiskey, right? Uh, so I think it's yeah. you know, I mean, I think I think you have a fair statement of like uh, the older Scotch drinker that's been at this for a while and and a little more uh, certain because they probably tried bourbon like twelve years ago the last time and they were like ugh bourbon. Whereas you've got a bourbon drinker that's that's really on that move towards. Uh, very flavorful whiskeys and um, and scotch is a little harder to get into and they might be like eh, I don't know I'm curious because like single malt scotch is supposed to be the king of whiskey but I don't really see, or queen of whiskey but I don't really see that you know where that goes so I think I think that's a fair kind of stereotype ish ish you know I mean there's always exceptions to the yeah. rules but but yeah no so uh, there's a couple I mean. There's a couple that you never sort of want to say, um, and this is also something that people always ask, which is, oh, um, what what bourbon, like, do girls like to drink? Or like, so, like, it's like a whole thing. Yeah, um, that's a good so point. So you never want to, because it, everybody's slightly different, right? So you never want to say, well, all women 100% love this one, because that's not true everybody's tastes are going to be very different. Does it matter if you're a woman or a man? It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. So there's a couple that I would maybe, so I would sort of like ply for a little bit of information before I went and suggested one because, as you know, suggesting whiskeys is tricky. Um, it's a, it feels like a lot of pressure, and you could just completely blow it, and then you're responsible for somebody <laughs> hating by going out and buying a $50 bottle or something and then despising it. So I try to give a couple different um, answers and different reasons why somebody might like, um, you know, whatever it is I've decided to send them to. So uh, I find that a lot of people that are getting into bourbon really like a Basil Hayden. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did a tasting, one of my very first tastings um, outside of my living room, it was the, and it was a bunch of people who weren't necessarily bourbon drinkers before that, or, or even whiskey drinkers at all. Um, they sort of uniformly really liked uh, Basil Hayden. Uh it's got some nice spice to it. It's a bit on the lighter side. 
Um, it's approachable. Um, it's a sipper. I, I like it's it's a light sip. It's one of those. I think Mark, the way you might describe it, is that you don't really have to like think about it too much. It's one of those whiskeys that you can read a book yeah. and sip. I just find that it's just um, it's just open and and slightly spicy and sweet, and it's just a really nice um, sort of entry level bourbon. I think um, if I always get asked about Woodford. For some reason, mm-hmm. and I think that's because people love it. So when people don't drink that much bourbon, they always seem to have a bottle of Woodford in their cupboard anyway. So um, whenever people are like, "Oh, what's your favorite bourbon? What do you think about Woodford?" I've been asked that three times in the last like two weeks, and I was like, "Maybe it's just because of the Kentucky, like, what is the new thing with Woodford?" everybody seems to have a bottle of it and I think it's fantastic stuff I think that it's consistently um some of the the best sort of like um middle shelf stuff um uh I think it's a really great uh sort of representation of um a great bourbon a really stand-up bourbon I also really love wild turkey I'm a total wild turkey nerd I go nuts for wild turkey so I will always point people in the direction of wild turkey for another sort of like basic um, run-of-the-mill, everyday sort of like starter bourbons. It's like if I do cocktails at home, it's always with wild turkey. Um, all of their line extensions that I've had from wild turkey, like Rare Breed, um, the Russell's Reserve, um, so good. Like <laughs> As far as like I, they just – they just can't do any wrong. I just, you know, I I love them. Uh, so I would say that. And then um, probably any of the tailors, if you're looking to go a little, if somebody's like, I'm going to start drinking, you know, more bourbon or I'm going to start maybe going a little higher in, in price and sort of moving outside of the regular sort of like Maker's Mark Woodford uh, wild turkey Buffalo Trace sort of thing, I would say to to head out and find um, like a E.H. Taylor, like small batch or single barrel or rye or barrel proof or <laughs> tornado. Or <laughs> Everything <laughs> Jamie said after single barrel <laughs> is impossible to find. Yeah. I should have put an asterisk in front of that. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. And then buy me an extra bottle because... <laughs> But yeah, so the Taylor stuff is really, really um, hot right now. So um, anything that sounds like it might be hard to get a hold of. So anything that isn't like single barrel. Well, I don't know. How hard is a single barrel to get right now? Oh, no. Single barrel you can get. It's fine. And small batch? Yeah, yeah. You're fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So anything that sounds like it might be difficult to get is. So yeah, I I, I think those two Taylors really stand up. um, And they're just like great ambassadors for great bourbons that that's an excellent list i so i'll I'll speak from the point of view of a scotch drinker uh based on the list you gave because i think that's that's fantastic um i I, so basil hayden um you're right it's it's less of a thinker more of a sipper it's a very light kind of drink it doesn't give you a lot too much flavor but it's not as it's it's not as like in your face, which is great for really any whiskey drinker that's starting out. Uh, you know, the last time I had Basil Hayden too, I, I feel like um, 
I kind of basically hated some of those drinks I wrote off pretty early on. I'm like, yeah, this is good. It's a good starter whiskey. But but there is a lot of – maybe it's, it's probably changed over the years too. Um, the last time I had it was at the uh, – was at a, at a uh, Jim Beam uh, event. Um, and it, it was it was really nice. Like it actually – like the, the layers of complexity kind of formed and it, it gave enough flavor range that it was – like it gave me a little bit more than I recall it giving me like four or five years ago. I agree. Yeah, so probably like if you're coming into it from drinking lighter whiskeys, like maybe like if you're an Irish whiskey drinker, it might be something that you'd sort of could get on board with or even like maybe Canadian whiskey drinker mm-hmm. might be able to sort of make that transition because it, it is lighter, brighter, and sort of less busy. Yeah, a Canadian whiskey drinker, uh, Basil Hayden, great, great also. Um, wild turkey. Now, wild turkey is interesting because wild turkey is a guy, it gives you uh, a lot of flavor, um, uh, but it is like mouthfeel wise, it's a lighter drink. So if you're a Scotch drinker, uh, the mouthfeel on wild turkey is lighter. You're not going to get like an over uh, over abundance of sweetness right off the bat. It's just gonna, it, but it's gonna give you a lot of flavor profile. So like on the palate, as far as kind of the way the palate feels, wild turkey is closer to a Scotch. Um, in, in a lot of ways, even like going up the range, like a Russell's Reserve, ten-year-old uh, is still uh, a very milder whiskey, and that's because they um, they they don't age their whiskeys in these you know tall warehouses where there's a broad range of differences. They they generally kind of have milder whiskeys, and that's great. Uh, Woodford Reserve, um, I think they they really nail it. I think they nail it because they have great packaging. I mean, like that bottle. Oh yeah beautiful bottle's amazing like if you're buying bourbon you're like i want to buy a bourbon that's kind of a higher-end bourbon that's not like what i used to drink as a kid and by kid i mean of legal drinking age um that you know i I used to drink when i was younger and then you're like (laughs) look at that woodford reserve bottle like yeah like that's it that that's it uh, and, and you're not trying to make a statement. You're not trying to make a statement like, oh, I'm a hipster whiskey drinker or I'm a, like a this da da da. No, you just you just want to buy a bottle of good bourbon. Uh, Woodford really uh, nails it. Now, that's very like more oak forward, um, but still a lot of great flavors to it. Really, really nice. So a single, single malt scotch drinker might think like, whoa, this is a little too forward. Uh, but you know what? Enjoy it for 20 minutes. Have a few sips. Enjoy it over time. And I think you'll really kind of settle into those flavors. Uh, very classic bourbon flavors, really nice. And Woodford Reserve is a good mention because they um, they prac- they they sort of um, they sort of flirt with the line of single malt Scotch. So um, they have uh, a malted uh, American mm-hmm. whiskey that they have as as part of their special bottling. They have the four wood, which has been aged in four different kinds of woods, including reused uh, European oak um, and port wood. So they kind of they're they're flirt they're they're really flirting like they 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 are flirting with single malt scotch drinkers in that upper echelon of bottles and these these ones are usually like seventy eighty a hundred dollars a bottle but they they're kind of moving in that direction a little bit um, with where their experimental or like uh, rare releases are going. Yeah, they also have a, the the double oaked, which is oaky. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's good. It's it, you know what it's um it. It wasn't my most favorite of all the Woodford stuff. Uh, I had the four wood. I was lucky enough to get some of that four wood. And that was like crazy amazing. I loved it so much. Yeah. The, the double oak is good. But again, 
like the oak is super powerful on it. Um, I sort of tended to use it more in cocktails um, so that I could balance it out a little bit better because I just, it, it was almost too much oak for me. Yeah, the double wood almost appeals to the exact opposite audience where you're yeah. you're a bourbon drinker and you just 100% just are after that oak. Um, but yeah, the the four wood's great. I, I know I still I still have a little bit left. I got to have the rest of that bottle cuz You got to finish that uh, one. You got to have like a heel party. That's the name of it, the heel party. I I think it, that that's a great name. I love that the heel party. I, I was I was uh, telling a couple of our friends. I'm like, yeah, Jamie had this great idea, and I'm like, she called it the butt end party <laughs> from the butt end I of do the like bottle. I about butts, but it wasn't. <laughs> but no, that was not the name you used. You you were very you were way, uh, way classier. <laughs> you were the heel party. The heel party. Okay, this is um, I'm gonna write that one down because that's a, that's a great name for it. That's an awesome name for it. I didn't. I, I mean, I don't know if I can take credit for it. I actually don't know if I made that up or if I heard it somewhere else. So, if uh, that was you that invented it, then cool. Yeah, let <laughs> but, us know. I um, I'm, I'm googling but, it. I'm gonna Google this. Yeah, so you're, you're, please you're, Google it because I, in my in my head, I'm like, Jamie, you made this up. You're totally smart kid. But now that I think about it. No, I think I might have made it up. Well, on the bright uh, side, um, nothing. Nothing showed up. Nothing showed up, uh, hey. except for parties where people wear heels. I mean, that's like every party for me. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't even. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, so the there, there is the. Uh, yeah, there, there are a few, few mentions of this that people give away, like the the quarter full bottles of single malt, uh, a heel. Okay. So that that is that is a statement. That is, it's not. This is not like one of those like it hey, Google's everywhere sort of things. But it, it is, it is somewhat used. I wish I made it up. Damn ah, it. almost. Okay, almost. Almost. No, well, I mean, it you know what? To be fair, I think, I, I think by internet terms, you're really reintroducing the term because the first legitimate heel reference is from november 30th 2009 so you know like this hey. is before like the iphone had video so let, let, let's bring this back and you're like really taking something that's very retro in 2009 and bringing it back to the modern time hey of 2015 i really like your spin you should be in pr <laughs> love it that was awesome love it um and then the other ones you mentioned were uh taylor uh, uh the taylor's yeah and I think, you know, to, in, in my mind, um, so uh, again, speaking from a single malt, uh, a drinking whiskey, a single malt drinker perspective, um, Taylor is a more advanced kind of bourbon drink uh, for a couple of reasons. It's, it's a little more acidic. It's got a little bit more um, acid than your typical scotch does. So um, if you're used to drinking a lot of kind of 40 to 43% single malt scotch, um, Taylor doesn't have that overabundance of wood oak like a Woodford would, and it doesn't have that um, light array of flavors that like a Basil Hayden would. Um, Taylor's a like, pretty acidic drink, uh, which is really great for bourbon drinkers because it's a nice change and shift, and um, and it still has that woody oak, but it kind of goes into this other range and really an, an excellent evolved bourbon. I think uh, uh, I think Buffalo Trace got to start over with the Taylor line. They they knew that they had a new brand. They knew they had the good marketing for it, and they got to really start over with Taylor. So um, 
And they did a great job with the brand. I think the single barrel is amazing. The small batch is great for the price point. Um, and then, yeah, all the other ones, uncut, barrel proof, tornado, cured oak, if you can find yeah, them, just, just buy yeah. them. Um, they, uh, but yeah, Taylor is really like, if, if a scotch drinker wants to drink a nice evolved scotch, that's a great way to go. No, excellent choices. Excellent. Thanks. I think about bourbon a lot. <laughs> so, so I guess then let's turn it around. What, what's your sort of take on single malts for bourbon drinkers? Yeah, so this is good. Um, the single malts for bourbon drinkers. Um, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be a single malt. Like, no, I just said single malt. It could be whatever you want. But it's good. It's it's good to kind of uh, it's good to go in that direction. Um, so I think the um, big the, the big surprise that I, I've realized, especially drinking with Jamie, was um, peated whiskeys are just so like nice, a great introduction to uh, bourbon drinkers. Um, and if you want to go for a very kind of affordable in the bourbon price range, peated drink, uh, the Lafroye quarter cast is right there. It's, it's affordable. It's, um, it's peaty. Um, it's got some character. It's not overly, uh, oak forward cause it is, it is, you know, it is a younger whiskey. Um, but on the other hand, it has that smokiness. So like, if you're not going to like, if you don't like smoky food, if you don't like peated food, it's not going to do well. Um, but if you're open to having that smokiness, uh, Lafroy Cortecast is a great intro, not only because I think it's like for the price point, one of my favorite peated drink, uh, peated whiskeys, but also because it has um, a lot of complexity to it. And it, it's just really a very interesting drink. So I think on the peated side, uh, Lafroy Cortecast, I think, um, you know, the Lafroy 18, Ardbeg 10, Lugavillen 16, you kind of go up the price point in those in those ranges are really all really good, uh, good on the peated side. Um, then on the unpeated scotch, I really like, although this is a more expensive drink, uh, the Belvini uh, 14 Caribbean cast, which I mentioned in the last podcast, but that one is the one that's been aged in, uh, in barrels that contained rum for a little while. So it's got a little bit of a rum sweetness to it which is familiar and nice and pleasant um the belvany double uh double wood has also got a very kind of the mouthfeel on that uh, thicker mouthfeel a little closer to bourbon um and very very nice and approachable and you know from there you kind of i think that's a great starting point i think that's kind of a good intro to single malt scotch and then you from there you really want to go to something different maybe uh glamorangi the um the orange um uh, the Glenmorangie original, rather, uh, the Glenmorangie original is a very nice, like just very kind of rich feeling single malt scotch. Um, Highland Park is a great kind of in between smokiness, the twelve or the fifteen, uh, very uh, slightly smoky, but just has a lot of that forward flavor, a little more forward flavor than you would find in a lot of other uh, smoky single malt scotches. I mean, I wish I could say that I'd had all these. I've had like a handful of these. So I guess I'm going to have to go out and do some more research. Research in like quotations. Yeah. Yeah, I have to do some research. Um, I haven't actually had the Lefroy quarter cask. I don't think. Okay. Well, if I can't remember it, let's let's just say I, I haven't. Well, that's going to be good because uh, you'll be at my place. So we'll uh, that'll be good to follow up for the next show to see if you like have it. Have you gone... Like scotch shopping recently, have you have you acquired? Yeah, 
Um, yeah, I've, I've got some, some new bottles, yeah. Since when? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm like grilling you. I'm like, why did you get a new bottle? I don't know, it was a little while ago. <laughs> I mean, I think it's great. I'm on board. Um, <laughs> especially because I get to drink them. But I was just curious. I didn't know if, because, so Mark is hosting a tasting uh, this coming Wednesday. If any of you out there are interested, I'll uh, just tweet me and I'll give you his address uh, yeah, and you no, can just show no, up. That is. Nope, nope. <laughs> None of seats. <laughs> but uh, Mark sent out this very intriguing email uh, saying, with like subject line, mystery whiskey tasting. And so he's invited some whiskey people over to, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, maybe it's like a murder mystery whiskey tasting. Like, I hope there's some like theatrics involved, maybe some singing. I don't know. Mm. Sounds like it could be a fun night. Yeah, you know that might be a might be a good topic for the next show. Only because um, normally, you know, we, we did the we did the podcast about how to host a whiskey tasting, and we wrote up wrote up all these rules. And I plan to break almost all of them. <laughs> and I'm so excited about this. It's gonna be so fun. So it's one of those like I'm like never tricked your audience. I'm like no. And I mean to be fair, I framed it. I'm like this is complete like completely yeah. throwing out the rule book. I think the only thing that I'm not going to do, which I think is a fair thing not to do is have like two of the exact same whiskeys and have you taste and be like, which one do you like more? Cause I think that's right. a really idiot thing to do. Um, but I may have very, very similar pours of the same drink. And so I think the idea being is like, um, topics that I'm very curious about. Um, and how do I, um, and, and having, uh, a bunch of whiskey tasters where I know their palates very well and seeing how they respond to different whiskeys of, uh, but that are very similar or, or maybe very different. So it's, it's really kind of no rules, no rules. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Like I said, tweet me if you want to come. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, I, I, so anyway, sorry, back to uh, the list of scotch that I was actually writing down while you were talking because I'm going to have to investigate some of these. I 100% agree in the uh, Caribbean cask, uh, the Belvenny 14. That is one of my top five single malts right now. I don't even own a bottle of it, but I do love it. Um, and we'll sort of order it whenever I see it at a restaurant um, for like a little drink afterwards because I think I'm not like a dessert person. I am a dessert person, but I'm not. I rarely eat dessert after I have, like, a meal. I'll eat dessert for breakfast, but I won't eat it after a meal. Uh, so I find that, like, this Caribbean cask is, like, kind of a nice dessert-y kind of dram. Like, it's, like you said, it's that sweetness from the rum. It's a very, like, familiar sort of taste. It's... Um, I, I really, really like that uh, pour. So I'm, yeah, I'm on board with that one. I just don't think I can afford it right now either. Yeah, that's that's the only problem with that recommendation. <laughs> it's expensive. I think it's uh, 109 Yeah, in Canada, it's about 100 Yeah, it's about 110 bucks in Canada. So it'll be about like 80 some dollars in the U.S. Uh, maybe yeah. a little less. But it, it's, the that's the only problem with that recommendation. It is expensive. Um, and I should also say Johnny Walker Black. Buy Johnny Walker Black. Yeah. If if you have available, um, not a scotch, but a Three Ships uh, five-year-old whiskey, which I've mentioned on the show before, grab it. It's an awesome bottle. It's dirt cheap. It's a five-year-old whiskey out of South, um, South Africa. 
and uh, Cape Town, or at least near Cape Town. Um, and it's a uh, really nice, nice whiskey. It's slightly peated, but not too much. Uh, and yeah, great other option. Awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, the other one, oh yeah, Belveni, the double wood that you mentioned. I love that one. Again, it's just, single malt is actually a really good dessert. Like an after food dessert. I think it's like, as opposed to in the middle of the afternoon dessert. Which is also good. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like a I used to like a peated whiskey with dessert. I th- I think that's usually oh, my yeah. end of the meal uh, whiskey's my is I go with a peated drink, um, but I don't I don't have a big sweet tooth, so I, I no. avoid whiskeys that are sweet. And so then I'm like, okay, smoky, smoky isn't sweet. Yeah, and I find yeah. that complements whatever I'm eating for dessert very well. Okay, so you just mentioned three ships, which I think we should actually touch on this uh, for just a, a little bit, which is the hot climate whiskeys, because I'm not so familiar with whiskeys from South uh, Africa. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the um, the hot climate whiskeys are interesting. So I wrote that article for Eater about it. It's not. Um, I think these are a good compromise whiskeys because you talk about we talk about like single malt scotch and bourbon drinkers and what they like and what they don't like and bourbon drinkers like a lot of forward flavor and single malt scotch drinkers like a lot of middle flavor and you know single malt scotch drinkers don't really care too much about the start of the drink they care more about the middle and the finish where it's almost the opposite with uh, with bourbon drinkers hot climate whiskeys are kind of like a weird compromise between the two because. Um, they generally seem to follow like a scotch formula in terms of they use 100% malted barley for the most part. So they, um, you know, that's their grain choice. Um, but because they're, um, the barrels are aged in very warm climates, their evaporation rates are typically much higher. Um, the the uh, chem- like all these, you know, we, we talked about kind of like in hot climates, the chemical reaction gets very... Uh, much more intense, right? Like this is kind of high school math. The hotter we make things, the faster chemical reactions happen. So the whole maturation process in the barrel is sped up in a warmer climates. Um, and so for this reason, you might have uh, like an Indian, you know, Indian whiskey, Amrit Fusion, that's only been aged a couple of years, but it's evaporating at like 11 or 12% versus Scotland, one or 2%. So after three years, it's, it's, it doesn't have the same flavor of a 15-year-old single malt scotch um, because all the chemical re- reactions are off. So, for example, in Scotland, um, you don't have that much evaporation of water versus alcohol, um, whereas in in India, it's a very humid climate. Um, there's not there's very little water evaporation, a lot of evaporation of everything else. Um, so just the evaporation rates are different. Um, the chemical reaction rates are different. Like everything's different. So it's not a good apples to apples comparison. Um, but the whole idea is they're very oak forward whiskeys. They're very like oaky and kind of thick and sweet whiskeys. But they also have that single malt, 100% malted barley complexity to them. So uh, Five Ships is a, is a blended. It's more like a Johnny Walker. It has other grains. Um, but in the article, I talked about like Amber Fusion and Portnova, like Amber Portnova, really amazing drink um, for a bourbon drinker because it's so oak forward. It's um, it's all oak. Um, but on the other hand, it's also very, very expensive. So a bourbon drinker probably like, I don't know, spent a hundred bucks on this. Mm. Mm. It's It's more like the tailor. It's more like the kind of like. Once your palate is there, you might start appreciating it a little more on the single malt scotch side. Uh, but it is it is quite expensive. But Amber Fusion is very affordable in that like 
40 to $60 range, depending on where you live. Um, and then, yeah, five ships. It's like a $30 whiskey. Great. Really, really great. Um, Australia um, has uh, uh, a lot of whiskey coming out of uh, uh, the island of Tasmania. The big one there is Sullivan's Cove whiskey. Really great. Uh, nicely, nicely done. Uh, and, and Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan has... Uh, Cavalan Distillery, which is one of many distilleries there, but Cavalan is really um, uh, pushing the envelope on that hot climate whiskey. So, oaky, complexity, nice middle, kind of a compromise. They don't do, in general, don't do everything like to what a single malt scotch drinker would like or to a bourbon drinker, but there's just like a nice compromise in flavors. That's awesome. I feel like I know much more already. Like, this is good. It's a good article. This is really good. I'm going to print it out and put it in my purse. Whoa. Whoa. In your purse. <laughs> the next time I go, yeah, my purse. The next time I go to the LCBO. Can, are these easy to find? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, like, it depends where you are. So, like, uh, three ships, like, you know, it's like anything else. It's, it's uh, the, the one I mentioned um, from Taiwan, Cavalan, is the good one is is impossible to find. It's like 500 bucks. I mean, you talk about a bottle that's insanely stupidly expensive. It's uh, it's it's over five hundred dollars, um, but you can find it. So the nice thing is, if you do live in the U.S., um, really the goal of the article, the reason why I wrote the article is like we all heard about Japanese whiskey, and we we've talked about before how Japanese whiskey has really been just like over demand, oversold, um, very little supply. Um, whereas a lot of these hot climate whiskeys are are really delicious and they haven't been featured yet as highly in the whiskey bible but i i've like obviously no insider knowledge at all on this but i do feel like the uh next whiskey bible will feature more of these whiskeys um amrit fusion has already won um uh like a couple of years ago won great praise from jim murray uh that was before whiskey was really really big so it didn't like immediately sell out um, but I feel like uh, these whiskeys are like the next wave of like hot whiskeys that people are going to want to buy. So if I was like, which I am a whiskey buyer, I'd be like, I'm going to pick up some whiskey from Australia, some Cavalier, some Sullivan's Cove from Australia. If I can find it, I'm going to pick up some three ships from South Africa. If I can find it, going to go and pick up some Amroot fusion. Sure. But maybe some other higher end stuff as well. They've got like a peated single barrel. That's really good. Uh, I'm going to pick up some of those bottles because I don't know. You never know. Next year might be it. It's your hot tip for the day. Yeah. Just go out and like go find your hot climate whiskeys because if, the, you know, the bourbon boom is any indication, it's, I mean, there's always something, right? There's always something coming up next. So I, I wish I was into bourbon like 10 years ago. So, Mark, I think we covered it. I think uh, I think people know what to do if they want to try something else now. So, uh, yeah. there you go. Everybody, just go out and try new whiskey. That's basically it. So, yeah, uh, but, but you know, like do a little bit of research. Uh, we gave you some recommendations. They'll be in the show notes. Um, but just go out and try something different and see what you like about it. And if you hate it, it's okay. But uh, but I, like we said, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this. Let the bottle open up. Let it breathe a little bit. Don't let your first pour define the glass for you. Like let, let it rest for a little bit and, and see if you can 
uh, find enjoyment in that drink. Because um, I feel that worked for me. Like I was, you know, I, I would like maybe not like a certain drink, but I gave it a little bit of time and I understood what people liked about the drink. And then in that way, I gained appreciation for it. And I think that's important. I think it's nice to explore what you're drinking because nobody just wants to drink like Woodford Reserve all day. It's good, but you know, you want to break this up with some other drinks. Absolutely. I agree. So let's do it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Mark.